As people, uh, we have this innate desire that when we receive something, that when we receive a gift, uh, that we want to repay that a gift in that same manner. Uh, I remember when I got married after my wedding, uh, my wife, uh, she made it a point to detail every gift that we received. The full amount, uh, whatever the gift was, she wrote it in a little notebook so she could keep, with it, uh, keep it with her uh, the whole time. Uh, the reason for that was not so that we could compare the different amounts, uh, but it was a way for her to remember to be able to give back to the people who had already given us gifts as well. You know, we have this desire to give as much as we have received. Uh, however, in the case of our relationship with God, we must understand that to be able to return the favor back to Him is actually utterly impossible. Uh, it is impossible and futile and downright even foolish to think that we could repay God everything that He has given us. So, then what is the best way for us to respond then? You know, what is the best way for us to respond to the grace that He has provided? Uh, for us, the best way for us to respond is to live a life of integrity and to be able to approach Him with a heart of worship. As we continue our study on Leviticus chapter 27, we'll look at all the different ways that the people, the Israelites, uh, they made vows and dedications to God. But we must remember that these promises and these vows and these dedications, uh, they were not motivated by a desire to settle a debt with God. Instead, they were responding. Their motivations came because they wanted to respond to the grace that God had already bestowed upon them. So in that same heart of thanksgiving, and the same heart of worship, let's take a look at today's passage together. Leviticus chapter 27, verses 14 through 25. If anyone dedicates their house as something holy to the Lord, the priest will judge its quality as good or bad. Whatever value the priest then sets, so it will remain. If the one who dedicates their house wishes to redeem it, they must add a fifth to its value and the house will again become theirs. If anyone dedicates to the Lord part of their family land, its value is to be set according to the amount of seed required for it, 50 shekels of silver to a homer of barley seed. If they dedicate a field during the year of Jubilee, the value that has been set remains. But if they dedicate a field after the Jubilee, the priest will determine the value according to the number of years that remain until the next year of Jubilee, and its set value will be reduced. If the one who dedicates the field wishes to redeem it, they must add a fifth to its value, and the field will again become theirs. If, however, they do not redeem the field, or if they have sold it to someone else, it can never be redeemed. When the field is released in the Jubilee, it will become holy, like a field devoted to the Lord. It will become priestly property. 
If anyone dedicates to the Lord a field they have bought, which is not part of their family land, the priest will determine its value up to the year of Jubilee, and the owner must pay its value on that day as something holy to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field will revert to the person from whom it was bought, the one whose land it was. Every value is to be set according to the sanctuary shekel, 20 geras to the shekel. Today, we'll continue our meditation in the book of Leviticus, chapter 27, uh, where we continue to see God's instructions on how to make dedications to Him. Uh, God's instructions on how to proceed once you gave vows and promises to God. Uh, this section today is on the consecration or the dedication of property, uh, whether that be houses or fields or other property as well. Uh, these dedications, these vows that these Israelites made, uh, they were in response to the blessings that God had already bestowed on them or anticipation of the blessings that God was going to bestow on them. So they will make these vows to God to dedicate either themselves, people, uh, dedicate their children, their animals. In today's section, we see that oftentimes people make dedications of their property, uh, whether it be their land or, or, or their houses, whatever it may be. Uh, they would dedicate them, uh, all of these items uh, to God and be able to give to the priest and also to the tabernacle as well. Uh, we see in today's passage, it says it's a house is given to the Lord, uh, the priests are responsible to set the value of the house and check on the condition of the house to see if it was suitable uh, to be able to be an offering to God. Uh, similar to the animals that we talked about yesterday, all these conditions were placed around this whole system. So the person who will make the vow, that they will be able to fully uh, fulfill the vow and be able to keep the promise to the very end. Uh, for example, if the person wanted to kind of take that property back, uh, they were forced to pay a surcharge, a 20% surcharge, in order to just take back the land that they had just offered. Now, the reason for this was to say that if someone promised something to God, then God held them accountable to pay. You know, these promises were not made lightly. They were not mandatory. They were made voluntarily. So therefore, if you make a promise to God in the name of God, God expected the person to be able to fulfill the promise until the very end. Uh, we see a very similar story, actually, in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 5, we have this couple, Ananias and Sapphira. It's a couple that ends up selling their lands and promising to give that, that, that amount to the church, to the early church, to the apostles. Uh, but once they sell off their land, they realize that the amount is so large that they keep back some of it for themselves, and they only give a portion of it to the church. You know, God never forced them to make this promise. God never forced them to make this offering. It was done voluntarily. But once they changed their heart and only gave a small portion back to God, uh, they were struck down and they were killed on the spot in front of everyone in front of them. You know, this punishment to us, it actually seems very, very harsh. Uh, but it was a way for God to be able to show to everyone that he was going to protect the integrity of worship, the integrity of someone's heart, and also a reminder that a promise made to God, a promise made in the name of God, was to be kept until the very end. And that's why in Leviticus chapter 27, we see over and over again how God made provisions to hold his people accountable to these vows. Now, as we continue in the next part of this text, we see that people that dedicate property, both inherited and purchased land to God. You know, land ownership laws were very different back in the day. Uh, 
Israelite culture dictated that all the land actually belonged to God anyway, and God was able to designate these land to his chosen people. So even though you were able to, quote-unquote, buy land from other people, you couldn't buy it forever that these lands were, were always going to be returned to their original owners. Uh, there was actually a special time called Jubilee, which came around every 50 years when the land, wherever it may be, or whoever's possession it may be, was returned to the original owners. So if you look at this, the further away we were from that Jubilee time, uh, the more valuable the land would be. You know, these applications, they were very important in the vows that people were making. Uh, there were checks and balances to make sure that there was consistency and fairness and, and also to guard against our people's very natural, greedy, and corrupt hearts. Uh, so it's important for us to understand that God never demanded any of this. You know, God does not need the land. God did not need the property. Uh, in the same way, God does not need for us to provide on his behalf. All of these vows, these dedications were meant to be voluntary. They were made to be able to respond in faith, in worship, and in generosity for all the amazing things that God has given to his people. You know, we see that in the early church as well. In the book of Acts, it says nobody was in need because everyone gave freely. You know, they understood that God's grace was upon them, so they gave freely to God, they gave freely to each other, and therefore nobody was in need. And even though we're giving all these laws today, these laws were not actually a, a deterrent for giving. You know, these laws and all these complex measures that we see in Leviticus chapter 27, it seems like they would discourage people from giving and making these vows. Uh, but I would like to think it's actually the other way. You know, these laws in itself, they were purposely in the beginning giving as a blessing to the Israelite people. And these regulations, they were a blessing as well. It's a motivation for us to be able to make vows to God and also to be able to keep them till the very end. So therefore, if you ever make a vow in the name of God, you must be encouraged to keep it, and the Lord will be honored by us fulfilling that promise. And as we think about all the vows that we can make to God, all the promises that we make to God, whatever it may be, small or big, remember, when you give a vow to God, when you promise something to God, when you promise something on behalf of God, let it be your spiritual act of worship. Let it be a worshipful heart that gives and gives and gives. And not something that you feel burdened by, but something that you are able to give joyfully. And if you don't have that heart, perhaps it's, even, it's actually better not to make the promise in the first place. But remember that God desires a spiritual, a worshipful heart. So let everything that we do, the generosity that we are able to bestow onto others, let it come from a desire to be able to spiritually worship our Father in heaven. You know, no person, it doesn't matter who you are, is able to keep all the promises that they make in their lives. Uh, you even see Adam and Eve, the first two people on this world. Uh, not surely after creation, they break the promise, they break the covenant they made with God, and they allow sin to enter into this world. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your job is, how good of a person you are. No person in this world is ever able to fulfill all the promises. Uh, no man, that is, or no person, that is, except our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to us, that God will redeem his people. And Jesus Christ is the embodiment of that fulfillment of that amazing promise that he gave. Uh, that promise was fulfilled by his literal life, that Jesus Christ gave up everything. He gave up his own being, uh, not for himself, but for the salvation of this world and for each and every one of us here today. Uh, that he didn't give a part of himself, but he gave everything that he had on behalf of us and to be able to fulfill the promise that the Father made. So today, as we remember the sacrifice, as we remember the fulfillment of this amazing promise that Jesus fulfilled, uh, let us respond with a heart of worship and a heart of thankfulness. And let us today uh, be able to respond by speaking the words of truth or be able to show the words of truth to all the people that we meet today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you uh, for your amazing promise that you have given us and for being able to send your son Jesus Christ to be able to fulfill that promise. Lord, you held nothing back. Uh, it wasn't just part of your life that you gave, but you gave the fullness of your life for us. So today, as we remember that promise, let us be able to respond with our lives as well. Let the words that we speak work to spe uh, speak the words of truth and let our actions reflect Jesus Christ as well. So Lord, we ask that you be with us. And as we promise and dedicate this day to you, Lord, be with us, strengthen us and equip us so that we too are able to fulfill this promise to you today. We pray in Jesus Christ. Amen. Further and stepping in closer, see you.